Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's up, Knight fans? Welcome to the Black and Gold Bannerhead Podcast. What a week it has been. I am Jeff Sharon, along with Eric Lopez. Eric, you got power? I do. I have power. I have a roof. I am very, very pleased. Overall, I'm, in, I've never been more excited to talk to you in all the years I've known you. Put it that way. You're in good shape. Yeah, that's an understatement. Uh, I know many are not, so we got to you know think the certainly be fortunate from that standpoint. And certainly we think of the people that are certainly going through much tougher times than we are. And then the babble nonsense we're going to be talking about here about a football game that people uh, will not be played, which some people for some reason are upset about. Yeah, I know. It's Well, I'm one of those people who are still feeling the effects of uh, Hurricane Irma. We still, we lost power at about eight o'clock on Sunday night, just in time to not see the Giant game, which I guess, you know, is not so bad. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> that's a positive, right? I mean, you should be grateful about that. I mean, holy <laughs> mackerel. I mean, but, that's an, wow. I know, it was bad. But um, it's here we are recording this Wednesday night, and so I've been without power for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 72 hours. So I uh, still don't have it up in Oviedo. Um there's a lot of folks around. I think I saw like something like 700, somewhere around the neighborhood of like 600,000 people around uh, Duke Energy's service area here in Florida don't have power. I'm actually, the reason why this audio quality sounds so bad, and my apologies to the listeners, is because I'm actually recording this in my father-in-law's office. Um, and so I don't have my equipment or any of that. I have, I have, <laughs> but I have internet access and uh, I have my laptop, so here's how we're recording. Here's what we for the, and, and for the record, I did offer to, to host the the podcast, but uh, you declined. I yeah, I couldn't make it down <laughs> there. But um, what do you call it? So uh, and I'm just, not and I'm not returning the home and home favor. Just so okay. you know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's what we have on agenda. We have a uh, very special interview. We're actually going to lead off with this here in a little bit. Andy Seely joined us. He's the associate athletic director in charge of communications for UCF. Uh, and he was able to at least give us uh, some answers to some questions that we had about um, UCF football canceling not only the Memphis game, but also the Georgia Tech game and uh, some of the other situations involved. Because I know we knew that there were a lot of fans who were pretty, um, who have been quite vocal on social media about their displeasure with how it was handled from their perspective. I'm here to tell you, Fate Night fans, that the, um, <laughs> the word of the week is patience. Uh, and so we're very thankful for Andy uh, to come on board with us and uh, and give us some uh, insight into into what went on. And obviously, this is still a developing story about you know what's going on with UCF's uh, football schedule. You know, but as it stands right now, uh, Memf- the Memphis game got canceled. It was scheduled for last Friday night. 
Uh, and then Memphis was in the in the air in the air when reportedly the governor of Florida, Rick Scott, decided that all state universities and schools would be closed. Memphis decided when they arrived, they're like, "Okay, this 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 sounds like a bad idea. We're going to get out of here." And uh, and so the game was called off. And then um, it was determined. You know, we were worried about the Georgia Tech game because we weren't sure. Like at that time, and I I tweeted out earlier a the eight o'clock advisory from Thursday night, which showed the storm heading down our throats. That didn't look good. Storm blows through and Tuesday, or excuse me, Monday, they decide to uh, call off the Georgia Tech game scheduled for Saturday as well. So UCF goes from seven home games in a 12 game schedule to five home games in a 10 game schedule, at least for the moment. Um, Before we get to Andy, Eric, your thoughts real quick on, how things went down and, and and just how this crazy week just unfolded. I think it's the craziest week maybe in the history of UCF sports. What do you think? It's probably the craziest, one of the craziest weeks in the history of the state. I mean, yeah. think about what we just, uh, we had, this was a storm that a week ago, Wednesday night, everybody assumed it was going to the east side of the state. Right. Hey. They were thinking there was a possibility it might miss us to the east. Correct. Then there was the talk of a direct hit to Miami in South Florida at a, as a Cat 5. Uh, it went from that to then, oh, wait, we'll just hit to a West Coast-only storm. But then at the even up to the last hour, this thing went more east in inland in the state than anybody even saw, uh, which as a result, or the, 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 the Orlando area got hit harder, I think, than they even thought they would. It saved Tampa and the and the West Coast there in Florida there I think a lot, but you know nobody knew what the heck was going on with this storm. The meteorologists got absolutely uh, schooled by this storm. They 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 got you know their all their models and everything. It was all wrong, and so with all that going on, you're trying to make decisions on things that are the unknown. Uh, you know, first with Memphis, we'll go chronological. Uh, Look, I think obviously they moved the game to Friday. I think they could have played the game on Friday. I know a lot of people obviously are going to blame Memphis for this one and Mike Norville for, I, I think, canceling the game uh, on their side. I'm getting this, some of the speculation out there that's been floated out there that once Governor Scott uh, came out with the ruling there about all schools being closed, that they got on the plane and then once they landed, they just made a phone call and all that. Here's the thing. Uh, I don't. I, I think the game could have been played. Obviously, could have been played Thursday night, Friday night. They uh, chose not to. Um, I understand why Coach Norville might be concerned. Think about this, and you know this, Jeff, because you've lived outside the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. If you live outside the state of Florida, what? How are? What? The information you're finding out. What are you watching? You're probably watching the Weather Channel. Well. As you know, the Weather Channel will exaggerate some things and, and say, you know, not 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 on, you know, they're going to blow this thing up as, you know, what it is. So you're not really sure if you're an outsider and you're coming into this state and everybody's telling you about this cat monster hurricane that's coming. You land, you find out that the governor has ordered this every school to be closed and everything. You probably wouldn't be real thrilled to be there right now, regardless of what you've been told. So I think that's what happened. I think Memphis probably said, yo, I don't really feel comfortable playing here. They probably called some higher ups. And at the end of the day, the game got, you know, uh, canceled. Basically, like USF and Connecticut, by the way. 
which originally was scheduled for noon on Saturday in Connecticut, then got moved to 10.30 in the morning because USF was concerned about getting back to Tampa and everything. And then they finally, again, canceled it. So a lot of people were getting nervous here. So I think UCF – I don't think UCF did anything. No, there's nothing they could have done there, unfortunately. Yeah. They Not tried to everything. Fact, all, the, all the other state schools had their games canceled, and so did the Tampa Bay-Miami NFL game that was going to kick off the season. Correct. Correct. The one thing I would question Memphis is that's the case is why didn't uh, – because I was told from various people that Thursday night was on the table. Remember, UCF and Memphis both played on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So they would have both had a week to get play on that Thursday. Memphis refused. That's what I heard. Uh, and, and as a result, they came down to Friday. So to me, that's where I would kind of kind of say, well, why didn't you guys agree to play on Thursday when you would have been way fine at that point? All right. So that happens. Now let's move, move to the weekend. The storm's going west towards Tampa. Everybody thinks it's going to hit the coastlines. Um, and then you know, I remember, Jeff, and I remember there was a moment in, in the coverage. I forget what time it was because, I mean, they're all the same. There was a moment where the storm was kind of stopped in Cuba, and it was going like six miles an hour. And I remember some of the local meteorologists, Tom Sorrells, as a matter of fact, the KMG was the first to bring it up. He's like, that's odd that this storm just stopped, basically. And the concern was, what if this thing maybe goes north, which nobody's expecting? Like due north towards Orlando. Correct. Not what, not northwest or west-north. No, no, no. Like north. And that's exactly what kind of happened. This thing went more inland uh, completely than anybody expected. Um, so all of a sudden, you got more damages, I think. And I've talked to people. There's more damages in this area, I think, than some people even realize. Yeah, especially on uh, the west side. Like you talk about like uh, – uh, Lake County, you know, places like yep. uh, oh. Mount Dora oh. and absolutely Holt County and, uh, you know, Leesburg and up there. They weren't expecting – and those guys more or less got a direct hit from this thing. And it's it's hard for us to, to forget, but this was a statewide disaster. This was a massive storm in terms of square area, and there was significant damage, power outages, and flooding – Everywhere from Key West and Marco Island, where it made landfall, all the way up to Jacksonville. It's a different hurricane than we're used to. Usually a hurricane of a specific part of the state, so therefore you can move somewhere else, right? Like Hurricane Andrew was a South Florida hurricane. It didn't affect Central Florida or other areas as much. Uh, Charlie, for example, 2004 was more of a Central Florida hurricane. So in other words, you could have moved other places. This one you really couldn't move. You know, that was the problem. Right. I mean, I, I feel like, Jeff, like the entire state's in our backyard that didn't leave the state because let's be honest, a lot of people fleed in the East Coast. A lot of people fled South Florida. And then a lot of people fled the West Coast once they thought, oh, this storm's coming here. And guess where they're going? If they're not leaving the state, they're coming to us. Um, <laughs> and I know this because I, I looked into it on the weekend. There was not a hotel to be found. Not one. Yeah, a lot of okay. folks from South Florida uh, came came up here, and then they were, and then they ended up in the crosshairs yeah. anyway. Yeah, and, so. and and I'm thinking of this as we're going through the hurricane on Sunday night, as the winds are howling on my window, and I'm thinking, well, I have, well, will my roof hold on, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, my whole roof that got damaged a little bit by Matthew last year, will it hold on? And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, this Georgia Tech game isn't going to get played, is it? <laughs> and I and, and and I was proven correct and. Look, I mean, obviously, Scott Frost, as we'll hear from as well, we have Danny White audio on this edition. Um, the players wanted to be with their families. And at the end of the day, who the heck is going to tell them no? 
and, and we'll get into all that, but I'm not surprised that this game is not being played. I don't think this game would have been able to be hosted by UCF. Forget the fact, and I'm and I'm sick of people. I don't want to hear about well, oh, why did the uh, you know UCF have to host you know the guards, the national guards? I, I that is not the you know that should nobody should be criticizing that. I, I'm literally appalled by that. I'm offended by it. As somebody, you know, I think that's a great thing. So let's stop with that negative uh, nonsense. Um, I, I think there was a lot of logistical things. Yes, lack of practice time is one of them, and that is important. And I think at the end of the day, yeah, there was just a lot of things that just wasn't going to be good, and then we'll get into. So um, here we are. All right. We're going to get into that in a little bit. We'll get to the sound from Danny White and Scott Frost in a little bit. But first, um, we're recording this on Wednesday night. Earlier today, I spoke with Andy Seeley from UCF. Um, who, again, I'm very thankful for taking time out of his unbelievably busy schedule right now as as UCF is trying to balance so many plates and trying to get the campus back together and get, and then, you know, later on, you know, figure out what to do with football. Andy was kind enough to join me this this morning. And uh, here is that conversation that I had with Andy Seeley. Andy, what's going on, man? How's, uh, How's everybody doing on your neck of the woods? You got power yet or what? Yeah, uh, you know, my, my wife and I were, were texting back and forth last night, and uh, we, we were talking about booking a hotel room, and I told her, I said, as soon as we book that hotel room, we're going to get power back on, but right. if, that's the, if that's the case, then let's do it, and sure enough, she booked the hotel room, and 10 minutes later, we got power, so uh, <laughs> it was a good night in the Sealy household. That's good, man. That's good. To, that's good to hear. Glad everyone's doing all right. So let me ask you about uh, stuff on campus. How's... Uh, how are the facilities holding up after Irma? Any damage on campus that uh, you guys found out after it passed through? You know, everything looks looks to be in pretty decent shape right now. I mean, obviously, there's there's little things here and there, and there's some things that that uh, that may not even have been discovered yet. But you know, my office looks out over the stadium, and you know, there's some signage that is that's uh, that's had an issue, and I see a couple of little uh, little pieces of aluminum in, in the stadium that that. Uh, look like they they got blown out, but um, I, I'm I'm thinking for the most part we did okay. Like there's nothing just obvious major major damage, but of course everybody's gonna um, make sure that the that all the structures are safe before we allow people back in. All those sorts of things. How long do you think that takes? Like just uh, like a day or two to assess, and then all that kind of stuff. It's a great question because our our folks on campus that are responsible for that are responsible for the entire campus. So yeah. that's a great question that I don't have the answer to. No, that's all right. How about the uh, – so I know that um, Coach Frost and everybody, uh, on the, at least on the football side, they let the players go to get to their families, you know, with the, with the storm kind of bearing down. How are the players – some of them left, some of them didn't, but um, how are the players and the staff doing as a whole? Any stories that you're hearing coming out from around the state, some of the folks that went home? I uh, haven't heard too many of the stories of the folks coming home or that, that went home just yet because a lot of them haven't even made it back yet. I know uh, – Coach Frost thought uh, thought that uh, hopefully by tomorrow we'll have most of the roster back. But when they resume practice tomorrow, I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a handful of guys still not out there. Um, I do know, you know, there's there's a few kids on the team that are from South Florida whose uh, families had come to Orlando for the Memphis game and then just uh, hunkered down with their with their uh, with their family members here in in Orlando and uh, and were 
you know, anxious to, to uh, know how things went back in South Florida with their homes and maybe some other family and that sort of thing. So that was fortunate in that, in that regard that uh, some of the folks that probably needed to get out of South Florida uh, were already out and uh, were able to just stay here. So I, I've heard a couple of stories along those lines, but uh, that's, yeah, we're, we're, we're fortunate that it seems like, uh, you know, from, from a standpoint of everybody's health and safety, uh, that all sounds to be in pretty good shape. That's good, yeah, because I remember, you know, as we go back to Thursday night, I want to ask you about, you know, how just kind of get a tick-tock of what happened with the Memphis game first, because, you know, Thursday night, I actually went back and I looked at the National Hurricane Center's forecast, and, you know, when Memphis was flying in to play the game, on to play, it was obviously, you know, moved up from Saturday to Friday, and then when they, so they were flying in on Thursday night. And uh, when they came in, they saw that last advisory. This thing was going looked like it was going to go right down our throats, and we didn't know how strong it would be when it got here. So take me back to Thursday night and into Friday morning. How did uh, how did everything go down with the decision to finally call off the Memphis game? Yeah, you know, I, I'm not privy to all of the details. Um, you know, the one thing I know uh, that that may have played a factor into this. Uh, I know Danny was on the radio earlier today. And mentioned this, you know, they were in the air when uh, when Governor Scott's announcement uh, about all state uh, universities and, and schools and all that closing. And I think, you know, there, there's potential that that had a little bit of a factor in the decision. And, um, you know, ultimately, really what it came down to was trying to make sure that everybody was safe. And uh, who called who and, and how how things went down, I'm, you know, I'm not, uh, that's above my pay grade, and, and uh, quite honestly, I don't need to know. Um, but basically, uh, we, you know, that, that, was, that was what we felt like why we moved the game to, to Friday earlier in the week is we thought, okay, well, if we, if we want to make sure everybody can be safe and, and Memphis can get back out and all that sort of thing, then then looks like Friday would be okay. But uh, you're right, that, that forecast changed. And, uh, and governor's announcement, and I, I think it was just a lot of little things. And, and again, in the grand scheme of things, there's a lot of people who are disappointed that there wasn't a football game. But in the grand scheme of things, everybody's health and safety, and, and the uh, uh, all the folks that were going to need to be here on campus late that night to, to prepare for the storm coming in, all those sorts of things, really have to take precedence. Yeah, and 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 that's what I thought about that too. Is like you know, like it's it it really is at the end of the day, it's just. A football game, and, and and you know, and and the primary objective is to make sure that anybody, first of all, if anybody who's coming down here for a football game, you know, get out of here, is, you know, and and go make yourself and go make yourself at home in a place where you we know you're going to be away from where all the chaos might be happening. Um, one question that I saw um, that I saw kind of pop up a little bit, and I want to know if you knew anything about it. Um, was was there any? discussion that you were aware of or anybody else aware of about maybe moving the Memphis game up maybe to Thursday or maybe trying to play it on a later date in the season? What Were there any options? What sort of options may have been discussed based on what you know? There were a lot of scenarios discussed, um, but really where it landed was Friday was the day that it, it, it had to be done. Um, just, you know, just if you're Memphis, and you've got to fly down now on Wednesday. Now you've lost your your uh, potentially lost your Wednesday practice. You've certainly lost the Thursday practice. Uh, well, or you're playing the game on Thursday, but you probably lost your Wednesday practice. Now you're shortening the week even more. Now you're talking about game prep and and 
Um, you know, anytime you're playing a game on, on really short prep, now you're increasing the risk for injuries, those sorts of things. Uh, I, that's just speculation on my part. I, I just know, you know, if I'm thinking about it from the standpoint of, of them, um, but really, like I said, there were, there were all kinds of scenarios being discussed and, and really where it landed was this needed to be Friday, uh, and as early as possible if, if we were going to be able to get it in. And, and as we all know, unfortunately, we weren't able to get it in. So, uh, so when we look at the schedule ahead and we're thinking, okay, this is a conference game, and that's going to be, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, and we'll get to the Georgia Tech game in a second, but um, in the grand scheme of things, like those, these conference games obviously are so important, and, you know, I know UCF and Memphis have gotten a lot of help from the American in trying to figure out as many different possibilities or options that, that, that both teams can get. Because, you know, I mean, it, obviously in the rather – in the grand scheme of things, like you were saying, unimportant world of football, this could be a rather important game. So when you look at the schedule, Erica and I were looking at, okay, like you know, we were kind of playing around and saying, okay, how would we, how would we try and make a phone call if we were in charge of this? And we saw, you know, September 30th, UCF's got Maine, Memphis has at home, Memphis is on the road at Georgia state. Um, and we, and Eric brought up a good point, like thinking back to when Florida and LSU happened last year, where they were able to trade some dates around to make that game happen post Matthew. So any possibility, maybe September 30th, or maybe, uh, maybe during uh, not championship week, but maybe the week after possible, possibly making the game up any, any possibility on that, maybe based on what, you know, there's all kinds of scenarios still being discussed. That's the best I can tell you. And I, I've heard um, the September 30th one kicked around a lot. What you got to keep in mind there is, is uh, you know, there's that's that's two other two or three if you include Memphis uh, schools that all have to go. Yeah, let's do that. And it's and it's not you know it's 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 not as simple as just going oh well let's just move all these puzzle pieces around. It's there's a lot of logistics to all that and um, so but yeah there's there's all kinds of scenarios that are still being discussed in in any way, shape, or fashion to try to to try to get us a uh, another game or two. Just real quick, is because I don't think a lot of fans truly understand or appreciate this. Give us like a little bit of a taste of what kind of logistics are you talking about? Like because I think people unfortunately just think, oh, just call, make a couple phone calls and it happens. But there's a lot of moving parts associated with making something as complicated as, as this happens. So what are some of the things behind the curtain? that you can tell us about, you know, that need to be worked out in a situation like this? Well, let's, let's, so the example you gave me, let's talk about the September 30th example, right? Right. Like I said, you've got to get, you've got to get all parties uh, that are involved to agree to that. Uh, you got to look at Georgia State and say, uh, okay, Georgia State, uh, you, you had Memphis coming in, now we're going to ask you to have Maine come in, and what does that do to their ticket sales? Now you've got, um, Charter flights that people need to either book or rebook, um, hotel rooms for the team, and these are just the, the high level things. Um, you know, if, if you're asking um, teams to change their plans on a, on a on a fairly short notice, you know, some of those things can be done. But um, again, it's got to make sense for everybody involved. You know, you, you you look at it from the standpoint of. I, I wear my black and gold glasses all the time, and I look at different situations and scenarios, and I go, oh, that would be great. That, that's, we can do that. Right. We can. <laughs> can. Can somebody else, or does somebody else want to, and is it best for them and for their team? So, there's, it, it, like I said, just lots and lots of 
logistics and moving parts and, and uh, pieces to any of those discussions. All right, so let's talk about the Georgia Tech game. This, you know, I, I, I guess if you were going to, you know, at, at gunpoint, you would probably say if we have to lose one of these two games, you know, only one of the two games, obviously the Georgia Tech one being a non-conference game um, is, you know, is a little bit logistically easier to sort of deal with down the road. But, but tell me about how the, uh, based on what information you know, how the Georgia Tech decision was made. Well, so quite honestly, I, uh, and, and I heard Danny say this this morning, um, we, uh, administratively over here, we, we, were, we were quite honestly way more concerned about the Georgia Tech game uh, than the Memphis game, even prior to the Memphis game getting called, because uh, it's, it's a lot easier to play a game in the lead-up to a storm when there's no damage, there's no power outages, there's no you know, concerns from, from those regards. So even in the even in the time leading up to the Memphis game, there was a real concern about the Georgia Tech game, not knowing uh, what what the damage was going to be like, what the effect was going to be. And as you mentioned, again, it looked like that thing was coming right at us. Um, so there, there was some concern about that one, uh, even even back further. Um, really, what it what it ultimately boiled down to was um, with with our team getting released and and a good portion of the roster not being there and not knowing when they'd be able to come back, um, turning around and, and trying to practice one day, two days, that sort of thing, and then play a game is difficult. Then you add in the um, you add in the fact that the that that we agreed to to let the national guard uh, go ahead and stage here when the governor asked for that, which um, you know is is uh, certainly something that, that that we're proud to be able to help with. Then there's all the little bits and pieces of it. This is this is somebody mentioned. Somebody said to me the other day, it's kind of like uh, death by a thousand duck bites, which I've never heard before. But um, but there's just so many of these little things that trickle down that affect uh, your your ability to, to host a football game. Um, power outages. There, as of yesterday, I'm not sure what the number is today, but as of yesterday, there were still close to a million people. And when I got that update, I was one of them. In this, in the Central Florida region, that didn't have power. Yeah, we we bring in people from all over the region and really all over the state to help us run a football game with gas shortages and power outages and all those sorts of things. Can we even be assured that those people can get here and can get here safely? Um, you know, it, there's there's just so many of those little bits and pieces that all have to come together to make a game happen. That you know, it's it, it, most the 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 person that's not behind the scenes or, or intimately involved with with these games doesn't fully grasp. You know, it, it, I, I give our, our facilities crew and our marketing folks and all the, the event staff, all those people, such great credit because uh, before I got into this business, I was one of those people that I showed up to a game and I thought, that, that, wow, this, this just, you know, I didn't even think about it. It just felt like, well, this magically happens, you know. Yeah. But it's a, it's a huge undertaking. I mean, for instance, we have a we have a meeting on Tuesday mornings before a Saturday home game that, that is basically our operations meeting for that whole that whole Saturday. There's over a hundred people in that meeting, um, including first responders, fire rescue, law enforcement, emergency management, all those people. I don't know how many of those people would have even been able to be in that meeting on Tuesday. So now you're pushing that meeting back and, and Still trying to determine who all can be here. It was 
there's, there, like I said, there's just a lot of logistics and moving parts to these things. Yeah, I mean, how many police officers do you see, like, just administering traffic on, like, a regular game on a Saturday, right? There's, there's, there's dozens of them that are out there. Just think right. about them and, alone. You know, I, so, so I think back to my neighborhood, for instance, um, where I live, up until yesterday at whatever time, 5, 6 o'clock, we didn't have power. Yeah. So from the time power went out to the time I got power back, there was a police officer sitting at the corner of uh, the, the two major roads that intersect near, near my neighborhood, basically just making sure that the intersection was safe. That's one police officer that may or may not have been needed at, at a game, that if that power is still out, he's still over there doing that, let alone the amount of hours that they're putting in doing all that stuff. There, I'm sure there's extra patrol, patrols in the, in the areas where power is out where they don't have any streetlights and those sorts of things. So, and that's just the law enforcement component. Yeah. Because I know that we pull from, you know, not just, you know, Orla- Orange and Seminole and Orlando proper and, you know, but there's also the state troopers, there's Brevard, there's a lot of places that suffered a lot more damage. So, so uh, getting back to the, the Georgia Tech game, I, I know here's another question that I got from a number of people was, um, what alternate sites were considered or date possibilities discussed, you know, possibly, you know, for example, Camping World Stadium, uh, someone even threw out Orlando City Soccer Stadium, which I know is probably not all that prepared to host a college football game given goalposts and all that kind of stuff. But Or maybe what about switching the game to Atlanta and then Georgia Tech comes down here when they're scheduled to play and when we're scheduled to play them again in 2020. So what sort of alternate sites or date possibilities based on you know for the Georgia Tech game were kind of thrown out there and, and which ones didn't and, and why they didn't work? Sure, I know. Like I said, I mean, in in all of this stuff, there were there were numerous numerous scenarios and, and possibilities discussed. But what this ultimately comes down to is is there was no way once our team was released to go be with their families, there was no way to know when they'd be able to get back or when they'd be able to start practicing again. We're practicing on Thursday, and again, like I said, I'm not even sure that we'll have a full roster on on Thursday at practice. So, um, really, beyond beyond any of that stuff, uh, like I said. Every every possibility, every scenario that, that could be talked through, I'm sure was. Uh, but what it really comes down to is there there wasn't there wasn't much chance we were going to be able to prepare a team to play a game once they were released. So as far as the series, you know, Georgia Tech being a you know again back to the relatively unimportant discussion of football. Georgia Tech, we're scheduled to play uh, them in Atlanta at Bobby Dodd in 2020. September nineteenth, I think, is the date. Is that in question now? Like, what's the, uh, or, or is there a possibility that the UCF could make up that date with Georgia Tech in the non-conference schedule in the future? Probably way too early to know, Jeff. Okay. Um, there's, there's, there's so many other things that are that are you know taking up uh, taking up time over here right now that probably way too early to know. But um, you know, as soon as we have any of those sorts of details, of course, we'll share them. But um, you know, there's. There's, uh, there's still a contract for that game, as you say, in 2020 um, that, that I would ex- – again, it's, it's just too early to, to know on any of those sorts of things. But uh, I've not heard anything that, that would lead me to believe that that game isn't going to happen or anything. Gotcha. All right. So as far as this year's schedule is concerned, and we came in seven home games, five road games, which is kind of nice. But we're now we're down two home games this year. So – uh, what do we know right now about what may be done for season ticket holders and single game ticket holders? Because I know that they're kind of standing there saying, hey, 
there goes two of our home games, including two marquee home games against some marquee opponents. Well, so I don't know if this would have been uh, been known on your show uh, when you, when you play this interview back, but you and I both know I was late for this interview. The reason I was late for this interview is I was in a meeting, and I was in a meeting for close to two hours, and this is all the stuff that was being discussed. There's okay. there's a so many possible scenarios, so many things that, that we're trying to look at right now as uh, as ways to to. Uh, handle these situations. There's uh, there's any number of scenarios right now. So really, what we're asking for is is for our fans to be patient. We've heard them. We know we know all the frustrations. We know all the disappointments. Um, no, hey, nobody's more disappointed than we are that we're you know facing two straight weeks without without football here at Spectrum Stadium. You know, Danny was on the radio this morning with Mike Bianchi and mentioned that you know this is. Uh, this is potentially, a, I think he used the word Armageddon for his budget. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's revenue considerations to all this sort of thing when you lose two home games. So um, all, the, all those, all those uh, concerns, we've heard them, and uh, we're talking through all kinds of different ways that, that we can uh, address these situations. I'd imagine that probably also includes like figuring out what we can do in the current bye week right now too, right? Lots and lots. I, 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 I hate to sound like a broken record. Lots yeah. and lots of scenarios. Cool. Well, I know this, like I said, this, there's, well, to be honest, you know, let's face it, there's literally nothing about this entire situation that doesn't at least somewhat suck. Um, but like I said, you guys have been, you know, busting your tail since this, you know, since before the storm to try and figure out all the logistics and everything. And uh, this is not easy, but, uh, but I know that you guys are working hard on it. I know we'll have you know, like I said, some more. Uh, you, I know that the university will, and the athletic department will have a lot more answers for the fans as uh, in, in due time. So, uh, real quick, Andy, just before we go, uh, where can fans uh, stay tuned to in order to in order to know the latest about what's going on and uh, and what some of the next steps are for UCF? Sure. Uh, we, we always try to do a great job of, of making sure that information is on our website. As you know, UCFnights.com encourage people to, to keep track of things there. Obviously, social media is a big way to share news right now. So follow UCF Nights on Twitter, uh, like our Facebook page, all those sorts of things. And, uh, and of course, uh, fans are always uh, welcome to call the, the ticket office if they have questions about tickets, 407-823-1000. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're doing our best and, and we, we send emails to our season ticket holders on occasion and, and, uh, try to keep them informed that way. So we really do our best to try to over communicate to our, to our fans and, um, we'll continue to do that through, uh, throughout the course of the next few weeks and, and months, you know, with regard to the football season, with regard to any of these situations that we're talking about. And, and really with regard to, to all our sports, I mean, we've got a, a great basketball season coming up, a really exciting potentially basketball season coming up for both the men and the women. Uh, you know, we'll be in touch about all those sorts of things. And, and again, just, just uh, bear with us. Cool, Andy. Well, hey, listen, pass along uh, on behalf of myself and uh, Eric and Brian and Derek, please pass along our best to uh, all the staff over there, uh, Dave Hanson, Danny White, all the coaches and everybody. We're glad everybody made it through okay. And, uh, Here's to, uh, here's to eventually seeing some uh, UCF football, hopefully sooner rather than later, to try and get our minds off of this disaster. So thanks again, Andy. I really appreciate your time. 
Yeah, yeah, Jeff, no, no doubt. Let's go get Maryland next week, and, uh, and then we'll see where we go from there. You got it, man. Thanks again to uh, Andy, by the way. So thankful for his uh, time and insight. And, you know, you know, like I told Andy, it's like there's, there's nothing about this that doesn't suck in some way, right? I mean, this, we, I think a lot of people think that, you know, it's not that hard to put on a football game. Let me tell you something, when resources get limited, as they have been this week, you know, I'm still going on 72 hours without power myself. Um, there were police uh, out in front of the major intersections in front of our house because power lights were out just yesterday. Um, you're going to try and put on a football game with all that. It's just, it's just not going to happen. And, um, and, and I wish that fans would step back and just listen for a second and say, hey, okay, these people are experts at their job. All right. They know how to handle these situations. And this is a true situation that's unprecedented. They're, they have a certain set of priorities that they are going to make. And the coaches also are going to put their players first. Um, and, you know, I mean, whether we, whether we like it or not, I mean, you know, the, the, it's, it's just football. It's just football. There are more important things that need to be taken care of. And it's just a Georgia Tech game. Like people right. got to get over this. Like I'm talking, like people are acting like this was some sort of national title game. Like this is some marquee, like biggest game. Like it wasn't. It was Georgia Tech. Here's the thing. Let me, let me ask all these people. Let me ask you this. Does not playing Georgia Tech cost UCF a shot at the national title? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they don't. They would have never had a shot for the national title, even if they beat Georgia Tech 100 to nothing. Does not playing Georgia Tech cost UCF a chance of winning the American Conference? Doesn't matter. Nope. So what the hell are we complaining about here? What are we, what are we talking about? Right, right. I, I, I mean, I get it. I get it that it's not easy. You're getting, quote-unquote, Power 5 conference in your home game and this or that. I've said this in a past episode, and people got mad at me about this comment, and that's fine, but I've said this again. If, this, if everything would have gone normal, the Georgia Tech game would have gone. The Miami-Florida State game would have been still played this weekend and originally been scheduled. Florida-Tennessee. This game would not have packed the house. And I know people get upset about that comment, but it wouldn't. Because I know for a fact, I know people that normally go to UCF games that were not going to go to that game because they were going to go to the Florida game or they were gonna, and, or others that were going to go to the Florida State-Miami game. So chill. It ain't the end of the world on that. And I also believe this. Let's say hypothetically they would have scheduled this game Saturday. I don't think they would have packed the house either because I've talked to people that have tickets that can't go because they're they're trying to figure out where the hell is they're going to be living in the next foreseeable future. Yeah, because we still have power out, we still have damage to a bunch of homes, and um, yeah. and I and I think it's unfortunate that you know we have there there are some social media pundits, shall we say, who. Uh, you know, see the world only through their lens and their Twitter feed and are unable to peek up from their laptops and, uh, and, and see what's going on in other places around them. So, and that's unfortunate, but I give UCF a ton of credit because, you know, any solution that they come up with is not going to please everybody. They have to try and make the most people the most happy that they possibly can, but that doesn't mean they can make everybody happy. So, and by the way, I don't think UCF real thrilled about how this turned out. It's not oh, like no. they're they're not benefiting from this. In fact, Danny White was on this morning on open mic with Mike Bianchi, and he acknowledged by you know right now 
they're kind of in a very bad situation financially for the athletic department because of it. From my chair, this is Armageddon. This is worst case scenario. We had been uh, planning for the last eight months on these these two home games uh, and hoping that we would we would look good and, and excite our fans in the game against FIU. And I think we did that. Our, our young offense really showed some some major progress, and uh, so we were expecting some significant uh, single game revenue uh, surges for for both Memphis and Georgia Tech and uh, we're just kind of scrambling right now trying to figure out what that means it's it's going to it's certainly not a, a good uh, scenario for us and uh, just seeing online a little bit on, on Twitter I know we've had fans frustrated I just ask folks to be patient and and just remember that the last person in the world that would have not wanted to play would wouldn't have wanted this to happen is this guy because I'm the one that has to figure out this budget now and uh, that's a lot of lost revenue for us so we're we're trying to make the best of a, of a tough situation, but again, uh, the most important thing is we're, we are able to be a resource for our community and, uh, by hosting the National Guard here and, uh, and and all the great work that they're doing. So we're we're uh, happy to to be a part of the solution uh, as it relates to, to uh, clean up from the storm. All right, and and here's the thing, Jeff. It's not like this was a, the, the this was not the end all be all. This is not like hey, let's just cancel these games. No problem. They're going to have some financial issues. They're going to have some issues with people that have season tickets. They're going to have people issues with people that have tickets to Georgia Tech. I mean, they've got a, they've got some issues here. Um, so believe me, this was not like a calculated, uh, conceived plan or whatever. Um, I, I don't. It's think- also not a situation where where UCF didn't, you know, just said people. There's a, there are people out there who are saying like UCF was like, well, screw the fans. They didn't even try. That's such BS. That's such complete BS. I mean, don't th- don't these people understand that? Well, let, let's address a couple things here because people. Let's okay. So we've addressed why their game's not being played at UCF. Mm-hmm. I, I think though the the main thing that we gathered from your interview with Andy and I, and in fact, uh, we'll play. Let's play Scott Frost. Scott Frost was on uh, this morning with Mark Daniels uh, on the beat of sports, and he addressed the fact of hey. My players are want to be with their families, and that's going to affect the scheduling as far as practice and everything. Uh, two days ago, we had about less than 60% of our guys here, and yesterday we're getting close to having three-quarters of our team back. Um, you know, decisions have to be made, and they have to be made ahead of time when you don't really know what's going to happen with anything. So, um, you know, I felt like we could have got the game in Friday, but uh, people more important than me – Against Memphis, people more important than me decided it, it wasn't safe, and I certainly don't blame them because people had to make uh, arrangements for the storm coming. Uh, once that game was canceled, it was really hard with the biggest storm in, on record headed right for Florida. It was really hard for us to say, you guys have to stay here and you can't go be with your families. Um, so once we made the decision to cancel that game, uh, we kind of had to make the decision to let our players do what was best for them and their family. And once real, realistically, once a, a huge part of our roster left to be with family and get to safe places, uh, trying to get them back after the hurricane in time to prepare for this game uh, wasn't very realistic. And we're doing the best we can to get everybody back and try to get onto the routine. But, um, you know, it, it, it's hard to criticize those decisions when a storm that size is coming this way. All right, and so as we recorded this, Jeff, because Scott Frost did his night talk show at uh, Burger U Wednesday night, they still don't have their entire team together. 
Uh, I don't believe their, their their first practice won't be till Thursday. Right. Uh, by the way, oh, by the way, since nobody's aware of this, the school is still not open. The school is not open till Monday. Well, and classes so, don't open till Monday. The, the uh, personnel staff can come back sure, on Friday. Sure. Correct. But, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on here. So this team wasn't going to be able to practice that much. Um do you really want to send your team out to play a game not prepared? Because here's my question. Let's say they would have played Georgia Tech in Atlanta, right? Because that's one of the suggestions that have been floated out there uh, or, or wherever. Let's say they would have gotten everybody back. They get a practice in, maybe one or two. By the way, against a, an, an offense that you talk to anybody in the sport, tells you that you need as much practice time as you get just to prepare for it, which is, is not easy because you don't see this offense. It's not like you practice this offense in practice normally. Uh, it's a very unusual offense. Nobody runs it except Georgia Tech Navy, ironically. So what if they would have said, yeah, let's go play, even if we only have one practice or two practices, let's say, right? Let's just do what the fans want and play. And they get after, and they play, and, and, and I, you and I are blogging, and Brian Murphy's blogging, and they're getting gashed. And they're getting gas 10, 20 yards. And one of you makes and one of us makes the comment, man, they don't look like a team that's prepared to to play this defense. Well, of course hmm. not. <laughs> well, well then, then what? Then what? What do we say then? So if if that happens, are we going to give them a break and say, hey, look, they didn't have a lot of time practice? Or are we going to rip them? See, I think f- fans can't have it both ways. You want to play the game? Okay. But what if they don't play well? Do you want to win the game? There's a big difference there, and I think fans try to eat their cake and eat it too, and I don't think that's really fair. If you wanted them to play this game at Georgia Tech or, and, and with not a lot of prep time, that's fine, but you can't criticize them if they don't perform very well either. Yeah. They're not professionals. They're not professionals. They're not NFL players. Um, so to me, that's the thing I don't get why people are upset. Like, you really want to play this game and take the loss? Because you would have probably lost this game. You would have probably lost this game – there's a chance you would have lost this game even if you had a full week of practice, let alone one or two practices. So um, I really don't understand at all what people wanted here. Like it's pretty clear cut. The team uh, was released so they can be with their families, and most of them haven't been back completely. Um, they weren't going to get a lot of practice time in. So why are you going to go ahead and play in Atlanta and get beat? And then you get banged up, and now all of a sudden you got to go to Maryland, and then all of a sudden things can kind of snowball. So well, I, you put I, I, think, I, th- I think one of the things though that I kind of understand the fans' frustration is, well, what if you weren't playing Georgia Tech? What if you were playing a team that played a more that had a more vanilla offense? Would the game then be played? Maybe, maybe, you know? maybe not. Who knows? I, I, we'll never I, know. I, but I, I, I don't. I don't think that. I don't think that's the case at all. And I think that there's a, there's another thing at play here. And and. Jemias Pittman from UCF actually sent out a pretty interesting tweet. Um, it was in reaction to some folks on Georgia Tech, on the Georgia Tech side, who started, it was someone named J.J. Green saying, LOL, UCF didn't want any part of the triple O uh, being right. the triple option. Um, and then a guy, uh, Twitter handle, three stripes from, uh, it, it said, you know, you know, sent out a bunch of crying emojis to Jemias Pittman, to which Jemias Pittman on Twitter answered just one word, ignorance. And I think what Jemias is saying is, listen, you guys have no idea what we're going through right now. You guys have no idea 
what is going on in terms of us trying to get our, you know, trying to first of all help out our family and friends and then try and get our team back together. If you think that we canceled this game because we're trying to duck you because we didn't get enough time to practice for the triple O, for the triple option, you're full of it. And I say good on Jemias Pittman for saying that. And by the way, for people that, well, why did Scott Frost let the players go? First of all, you've got to believe, you know this very well. I'm sure there was conversations that took place between the coaches and the players. And if the players tell you, Jeff, and you know this as a parent, if the players are telling you, I need to be with the family where there's some things I'm concerned about, what are you going to say? What are you right. going to say? Right. And by the way, I've made some phone calls, which I doubt a lot of these clowns on the message boards who think have all the answers. I've actually made phone calls. I've made phone calls to LS, people at LSU who have dealt with this. I've, I've called people at Houston who have just recently, by the way, dealt mm-hmm. with this at Matthew. I've dealt with and I've called other schools as well who have dealt with this. And I asked them specifically because I don't know. What's the protocol for a coach in a situation like this? Do they, re- they release their players or they don't release their players? And everybody to a man agreed said it's up – first of all, it's up to the coach. Everybody's different. Every scenario is different. Um, the majority of them, though, do let their players go. Yeah. They do. And I think that's an important statement to be made, Jeff, that people are acting like a lot of teams don't do that. That is not true. A lot of schools do that. LSU, for example, does not. They prefer that the players stay on campus. Now, part of the reason for that is in a hurricane situation, as you anybody that's been to Louisiana, you're better off being in Baton Rouge on campus than you are, say, in New Orleans where you could be underwater. Or anywhere and, else and, south of Baton Rouge for that matter. And and, and, and and that's the other thing. Brian Norcross has said this for many years. The reason there's evacuations is not because of wind, but it's because of water. You gotta get you won't survive water. So places like LSU, for example, they're much defensive. That being said, for example, Major Applewhite, who's the head coach at Houston, he let his players be with their families. That's why they didn't play the gate opener against Texas San Antonio, because there was a lot of legitimate concern about their families and well-being. Um, so, it, 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 you know, look, Florida State and Miami aren't playing either. Uh, now, the ACC was creative in finding a way to make that work where they pushed that game back to October 7th and make all the parties work out. But, you know, Miami wasn't going to be able to play this weekend. FIU, by the way, ju- as we're recording this, Jeff, I'm not even joking. As we just recorded, as we're recording this, just landed from uh, to Miami for the first time, uh, I think, since I don't know when. Like, they just they were hanging out in Birmingham. FAU just arrived. They played it. They hang, had to hang out at Wisconsin after playing games there. So there's a, just a lot of logistics uh, that, that things kind of you know go from there. Now people are going to bring up, well, Florida's playing. Florida's playing this weekend. Yeah. If you watch Jim McElwain's press conference this uh, earlier on Wednesday, I've never seen a coach so somber in my life. You would have thought, I, I and trust me, he ain't real thrilled that this game's being played now. Gainesville, if for people have been there, what they did, they they let their players go, but their families were already up to Gainesville because a lot of them left to go to Gainesville. Mm-hmm. So every situation is different. Um, and I'm never going to criticize a coach if he's going to put his players first over any a football game. I, I mean, I really hope that we don't get to that point. Yeah, I think that's. I think the bottom line is a, there's a lot of perspective that's needed right now. Uh, and 
and, and and I don't envy, but I, I I don't I don't envy the situation that UCF's administration is in. But I do think that Scott Frost made the right call in this particular case, and we know that you know Scott's you know, Scott's the kind of guy who would make this kind of a call and put his players well, I don't and even their think, families I, first. I, I, the thing. I, I and Scott Frost has said this. There's a lot of decisions here that were made that were above his head yeah. and above Danny White's head. Let's not. I think people are. There was a lot of administrative decisions here. The governor, when the governor of your, you know, the state calls you and says, hey, can we, we need your facilities. What are you going to yeah. say? No. Hey, we're taking over your stadium. Thanks. Um, there was a lot of, and, and I think that's part of sometimes, and you know this having worked there, if the, if people above you are making decisions and things like that, you're not going to be told everything. So sometimes information doesn't come out as clean or things like that is concerned. Um and I, you know, we both know that school very well. When the administrations take over, they're going to take over and do some things. So I, I don't think this was just a. I don't think Scott Frost just kind of went on his own here. I think he talked to a bunch of people, and I think everybody was on the same page on this. I, I don't think this was one individual, but I think they had a sense of, hey, our players kind of are concerned about their well-being, families' well-being, and things like that. Um, and we have time to, you know, resolve this. See, and that's the fun. The irony of all this, Jeff, is. If this game gets played against Memphis on Friday, maybe at that point the team stays together because there's not enough time. But because the game got canceled, that bought them an extra 24 to 36 hours at the, to basically prepare. Right. It, so, you know, it's just a domino effect of things that you just can't predict. You can't predict any of this stuff. It happened. It's not the end of the world. Just because you're playing 10 or 11 games isn't going to determine your season. I don't understand that. I've never understood that logic. Like, the, I mean, hell, when we, I remember college football used to be an 11 game season, uh, used to be a 10 game season. Uh, in my opinion, they haven't lost games that are significantly damaging to the season. I'm not talking financially, obviously. This is going to hurt UCF. And I understand if you have a season, if you're a season ticket holder, you have questions. I think those are valid. Mm -hmm. But I think to suggest that somehow this game had to be played, no, really, not really. This is Georgia Tech, with all due respect, is just another program. Georgia Tech is the type of team that a lot of teams in the ACC worry about overlooking because they don't really take them seriously. Right, right. Hey, let's take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll keep it. We'll take a look at some of the other sports around on campus um, that have uh, had that have been affected by Irma. We'll just put a wrap on this show and uh, finish up by talking about what's going on <clears throat> with football going on the way through. Stick around. We're back after this. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. You know, Nightline has UCF sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on! Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you here. Some updates on some other sports in addition to football. Let's update the schedule here. Women's volleyball, well, I say women's volleyball, volleyball. Um, 
their match that was originally scheduled against Virginia, their home opener this Friday, September 15th, 7 p.m., that is happening. That is happening at the venue. Schedule change was originally they were scheduled to play Ole Miss on Sunday. Ole Miss is not down here in Florida. They decided not to make the trip. So UCF is playing two matches against Virginia. The originally scheduled 7 p.m. Friday night match. And then 1 o'clock on Saturday, UCF and Virginia once again uh, to sort of make Virginia whole from this um, tournament as well. So um, that is the schedule with UCF uh, volleyball. Uh, women's golf is still scheduled to play up at Vandy this weekend. Um, we also have, uh, let's see, men's golf is going to be taking, is going to be heading up to, uh, Connecticut, uh, for Hartford. Um, let's see. So there's some other updates as well that we wanted to, uh, pass along. Uh, women's soccer right now, four and one and climbing in the polls. They have had three games wiped off the schedule. Friday, September 8th against LSU at home, called off. Sunday, September 10th at FIU, canceled. And now Friday, September 15th at home against Florida Gulf Coast, also canceled. Their next scheduled game is at Cincinnati to start the, uh, to start the conference regular season on September 21st. That's a Thursday that's at Cincinnati. Their next scheduled home game is scheduled for September 28th. That's a Thursday against Tulsa. So we've seen the schedule just wreak absolute havoc on UCF women's soccer, whose last home game was on August the 25th. They will not play a home game for more than a month because of the storm. So if you're telling me that the storm didn't didn't impact much, I got news for you. It did. Uh, men's soccer schedule uh, looks like this. <laughs> they are 1-2-1. and one. They had their Tuesday game against Florida International. Uh, Coach Scott Calabrese's old team would have been his home debut. Uh, that game was officially postponed on Tuesday, September the 12th. This is in addition to what was supposed to be their home opener back on September the 1st. That was canceled due to bad weather, not because of a hurricane, but because of thunder and lightning and the like. They are still at the moment scheduled to play at Florida Gulf Coast in Fort Myers on Tuesday, September 19th. But who knows what may happen with that game because it's down to Southwest Florida. We know how bad the devastation was um, down there, particularly in the Marco Island, Naples area, which is just south of Fort Myers. Uh, their next, uh, and then after that, it's Saturday, September 23rd at USF. Uh, Friday, that's the conference opener. Friday, September 29th at SMU in Dallas. Next home game is scheduled for Wednesday, October the 4th against Stetson at 7 p.m. Can you believe this, Eric? UCF men's soccer has not played a home regular season game yet. They've had both home dates wiped because of weather. And their, their home opener will not be until, at the very least, Wednesday, October 4th. That's wild, man. That is just wild. That is wild. Uh, by the way, a salute to them, by the way, getting the result against nationally ranked West Virginia. Yeah, scoreless draw up in Morgantown. And they were also uh, really appreciative of the folks in Morgantown for putting them yep. up while the storm passed through town and giving them safety as well. And also credit to the uh, folks at Central Arkansas who housed the uh, UCF volleyball team uh, up there after that tournament finished over the weekend. Um, they took care of uh, Todd Dagenet and his, and his squad, uh, putting them up for the weekend while the, while the storm passed on through. UCF uh, got a split in that Central Arkansas Classic uh, in, uh, in four matches, two and two wins against Central Arkansas and Southern. 
and that leads to the Virginia match uh, as well. So, man, what a week this has been for UCF. Um, but, uh, but, you know, again, it, it, we, we encourage everybody to do is just keep an eye right here on black and gold banneret for all the latest that may, uh, that's going to be coming up because UCF is, is right now, like we mentioned in our earlier interview with Andy Seeley, trying to figure out what to do with those right. two home games that we've now lost for football, um, trying to get one more back on the schedule. Um, and you get the sense based on what Andy said in our, in his interview with me, what uh, Danny White said to Mike Bianchi, what Scott Frost said to uh, Mark Daniels, that, look, we're going to fight like hell to try and make everybody whole here as best we can. It's a situation where it's, it's, just, it's just hard. Um, well, but, you, yeah. but, well, but what they're asking for and what, I, and what I think we as fans, you know, kind of we, sh- we should be able to, to grant to them and we kind of do owe them is a little bit of patience. And um, and I would hope that you know the good UC, that that the UCF fans out there recognize that and and give UCF administration the little bit of grace that they should have uh, in order to in order to make all this happen. And one last thing before I sorry Eric, I know you wanted to make yeah. one more point. Yeah. All those people out there on Twitter and on the message boards complaining that they're going to give up their season tickets because of this. You know, I got I, I got a better idea. How about you give your season tickets to me? Okay. And what I will do with them is I will give them to every National Guard member I can find in Central Florida who's helping people out. Every first responder, every guy who's come in from out of state to help us out with restoring power here, not just in Central Florida, but throughout the state. You don't want your season tickets anymore? Fine. No problem. You know what? I'll pass them out to people who actually deserve them because if that's how you feel about, again, it's college football. These guys are not pros. If that's how you feel about it, then you know something, as far as I'm concerned, (laughs) you lose your fan card as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it just, it, it drives me nuts when I see that, when I see that, that kind of attitude towards fans, you know, with a, with a school that's been dealt a really bad deck of cards right here um, through no fault of their own through absolutely no fault of their own. It drives me absolutely nuts. Agreed. Uh, agreed. Uh, a couple things yep. for all you, because I've seen people like try to come up and think they're like a schedule maker, you know, Hey, let's move this game here. And this team can move their home game here. And that, that first of all, that's that. Uh, stop it. Stop it. You don't know what you're doing. Like I, I saw one of somebody like uh, suggested, well, why can't they uh, move? the UCF Navy game, for example, to October 28th because both teams have a bye and then UCF could play this Memphis on the 21st and Memphis can move the game they had on the 20. First of all, you, you would, why would, if I'm Navy, why would I do that? Like, why would I want to move my schedule? Like that's going to affect my people and my season tickets. And now you're asking two or three other teams to adjust their schedules. That's the problem. It's not that simple. I saw somebody else suggest, well, why couldn't they just move the Maryland game to this weekend? Because Maryland, Maryland has a bye week, and that could have created a bye. Maryland's not going to move up to. My point is, the only way you can move games is is try to keep it as simple as possible. For example, what the ACC was able to do with Florida State and Miami is they found a date October seventh where both teams were available, and what they did, they put them in that date, 
And then they moved the Miami-Georgia Tech game, which was scheduled for Thursday the 12th. They just moved it to the 14th, so that way Miami didn't have to play on a short wet. That worked out very nicely. Um, that's not the case in some of these cases with the UCF situation. Uh, so for people that are trying to make these schedules and multiple games and change all these teams, a lot of, like, you know, and, and, and you brought this up with Andy, and you brought up the September 30th idea with Memphis, which I've heard and I've discussed. But even that one is flawed because – the problem with that one is you're asking Georgia State to give up a home game there. Why, If I'm Georgia State, why am I giving up a home game against Memphis so I can play Maine, for example? Right. It doesn't make any sense. So you got to pay them money. See, the thing about Florida and LSU, and you brought that up, and I have brought up the comparison. The reason why that worked was, first of all, the conference forced it to work, <laughs> yeah. number one, because they got money, money. Okay, which, oh, by the way, we don't have, which is something that some people forget this stuff, too. Um, they were able to buy out Florida's game against Presbyterian. So they bought out Presbyterian. LSU bought out South Alabama, and that opened the date, and they agreed to play at LSU. That's what happened there. Yeah, they took, they took the money out of Paul Feinbaum's salary is what they did. There you go. <laughs> and that's something that people forget, too, by the way, because I know people suggest, well, how is Florida playing? Keep this in mind. Florida's and the LSU's and the Florida State have a lot more resources, a lot more things they can use in their uh, to available than a UCF does. That's just reality. Uh, so as a result, for Florida, it's a lot easier to plant, you know, move things around than it is for a UCF. UCF can't just open a bank, you know, a check or the American Conference for that matter can't open a check. You know, the ACC can move a Thursday night game on ESPN to Saturday. It's not going to hurt them in the wallet like it would for the American Conference, for example. So, again, people need to uh, make that sense. And I'll make this other point. If the, um, We'll see if there's some tweaking on the schedule. If the games are not remade, or let's say UCF Memphis is done, is not going to be played, and USF in Connecticut is not played, I actually think that works in the UCF's favor because USF had a much easier schedule on paper than UCF, and I think UCF can make up some ground in that regard, which to me, if I'm a fan, I care more about do I win the conference? Does this hurt my chances of winning the conference or the division and, and, and those things? Not worried about, geez, do I not play you know, Georgia Tech or specifics, things like that. So uh, there's a lot of variables to that. A little note here. Don't be. This is very interesting. I want to ask you this. Mm-hmm. You know that Georgia Tech right now has a bye week is October 7th, okay? Yeah. You know who else has a bye week that weekend? Well, not us. No. We, uh, UCF is at Cincinnati that week. No. Who, who has the bye week? South Florida. Hmm. So, here, so here's an interesting question. If you're South Florida, you just lost a game with Connecticut, right? Do you add that game on the schedule? If you're Georgia Tech, do you add that game on the schedule? Or do you go in a different direction? Just something to look for. Uh, in a, in a, in down the road if that happens or not. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I found that interesting that those two teams have the same bye week now, and uh, we'll see if that happens or not. UCF, and, and we've had we've played audio, obviously October 28th, and I uh, would be the target, I would assume, if UCF adds a game. I think we both agree, Jeff, if they add a game, odds are it's going to be an FCS opponent. Would you agree with that? I think that would be the easiest way to do it. Yeah. So I just don't see I don't see a scenario where they I, I I would be surprised at this point if a Memphis got added uh, got rescheduled I just don't unless the conference is willing to reshuffle things and and alien agitate other schools schedules I just I you know Mike Oresco I think made a comment about that I just don't think he wants to do that 
to to uh, that it just there's a rippling effect to a lot of these things if you do that. So yeah, uh, I, I think everything will be fine long term. I think people just got to get over it. It's done with. I would have liked the game to have been played either here or in Atlanta. I would have been fine. It isn't. So you move on. I'm getting ready to go up to Maryland next week. That's the next game. And I think that's what you now what's what should be the focus is how does this team react and respond now after a long layoff, Jeff? We'll get into more next week. This team is gonna basically start over here going up to Maryland, a team that's much improved, but that they have their own issues because they lost their starting quarterback for the year. So the season is long from being done. I mean, I don't think there's a lot of things at play. I think all the goals that UCF have in front of them are still in front of them. And I think people need to remember that, uh, you know, worrying about a short-term thing, like whether Georgia Tech game gets played in three years or not. Who cares? I don't I mean, seriously, I don't lose sleep over, like, Georgia Tech's of the world. It's not like Alabama was coming here. If Alabama was coming here, I would be probably a little bit more uh, upset maybe or agitated or whatever. Uh, but it's Georgia Tech, which really doesn't do much for me. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I just don't. Not with, not with what everything that's gone ha- – what's happened. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, from my perspective, and I think we'll wrap on this, is that, you know, if you want to get one back – that conference game, I think, is the one that you want to get back as much as yeah, possible. Yeah, sure. Because of how important so. it is we'll to determining, you know, what are the realistic goals for the, for the team this year. I will say this, though, Jeff. I think it's fine to get that Memphis game, but I think I would only play – I would make the effort to play that game, but also USF has to play the Connecticut game in that scenario. I don't yeah. know if you can make one game up and not the other. I think if you're the conference, and I'm, you know, from a conference perspective, I think it's a question of, okay – Either get those, try to make those, make up those two games or not. I don't know if you can pick one or the other because then what that doesn't really solve a lot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, uh, unless now, if you're talking from an economic standpoint, then yes, obviously that would be uh, the scenario there uh, to try to make it work. Will it happen? I have no idea. Who knows? Um, you know, time will tell. Let's just see what happens. And look, if UCF goes nine and one and wins the conference. Is anybody upset at that point? Like, <laughs> Good point. Good then point. what? You know? I mean, yeah, I, to be honest with you, I've never seen so many people upset over a team that's undefeated currently on the year. I'm just surprised by the <laughs> outrage over the Georgia. I mean, it's Georgia Tech. That, like, I'm sorry. Like, I mean, maybe, you know, like, Georgia Tech hasn't been relevant. Like, the only reason Georgia Tech has won ACC titles in recent years is because the ACC was bad. Let's not, like, get carried away with, like, wow, this powerhouse. It's like... Um, you know, it's not Notre Dame coming to town. It ain't Florida coming to town. It ain't Georgia coming to town. I mean, I, I think yes, would have loved to have seen the game, sure. But um, all things considered, if you if you if you made me this offer that um, we got to cancel this Georgia Tech game so your property can be okay and you can move forward, then yeah, I'll, I'll take that deal. Thanks. Right, right. Well, as we finish up here on this uh, wild and woolly episode of the. Black and Gold Banner at Podcast Eric. Uh, I will be at the volleyball match on Friday night doing PA for that first Virginia game. All right. uh, where will you be this weekend? Uh, I might go there too, depending on if, if I, you know, I'm trying to fix uh, some property in my house if people don't mind. But <laughs> uh, if I can, you know, if I can get that stuff done and uh, depending on scheduling stuff, I might try to join you for that actually and check out a little volleyball. But uh, otherwise, 
I will be getting prepared to clean stuff up in the house and getting prepared for a trip to College Park, Maryland, ladies and gentlemen, next weekend. I'm looking forward to it. That should be good. And I will be, uh, like I said, that will be, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, that's true. That will be the first UCF sporting event post-Irma will be UCF volleyball, uh, first on-campus sporting event post-Irma, UCF volleyball against Virginia on uh, Friday at 7 p.m. at the venue, which is the old arena. So I, so here's my challenge out to the UCF fans out there. Um, not happy about going, not going to the football game on Saturday? All right. Let's see you show up to volleyball. Support UCF that way. So um, that's, my, that's my hope, that they get a good crowd out there and it'll be a, uh, uh, against, an, against an ACC opponent. So uh, that's my hope that we'll get a good crowd out for that one, and uh, and and kind of gain a little bit of normalcy. In the meantime, I'm hoping that my you're cleaning up. You have power. I'm all cleaned up, but I don't have power, and uh, I got to get out of my father-in-law's office before he kicks me out because he wants to go to bed. So, um, Eric, thanks again, brother, and uh, good luck with the cleanup. And uh, hopefully, I'll see you on Friday night. Sounds good. All right, man. And thank you for listening, Night fans. Uh, Like we said, on behalf of all of us here uh, at blackandgoldbanneret.com, we hope that you are safe indeed and that um, the storm was as minimal an inconvenience as humanly possible for you and your families out there. Uh, We're looking forward to getting back to normal again, at least to some extent, this weekend. And, you know, Eric, I know you share my sentiment on this, that, you know, it does kind of suck that we don't have uh, that we don't have a little bit of football to get our minds off of um, just the craziness of this week and kind of release from some of the stress that we've all been going through leading up to the storm and then during the storm. But you know, like I said, there's more important things, and football will be back soon enough. So, uh, thanks again, dude, and I'll talk to you soon. All right? Sounds good. All right. Thanks to you, the fans, for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We will catch you again next week. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.